We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. guys welcome into the obr film breakdown i'm your host jake burns we are here for a recap of the nfl draft the browns completed over the weekend this is now going to be monday may 1st so hope the weekend starts well for you i did not get anything posted on sunday largely because i traveled back from our obr draft show which if you have not watched that we did live every single day and then we did a live show saturday all day during the the draft all the way till the 229th pick when the Browns decided at the last second because of a last second call from the Ravens to trade out of that pick. So we did every day live. Go back and check that out if you want to see some more live reactions. I actually posted the reaction to Cedric Tillman and Siaka Ika uh, live show, uh, posted, kind of cut that up and posted it. So it's available for you if you're on the move and you can only do podcasts. Check that out. Uh, like I said, it was posted on Saturday, so you can see that. Because Browns, again, we're not involved in the Thursday night action, as you know, so we really only spent two days of live action covering what the Browns did. But it was fun nonetheless, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Some nice messages on it. I think we'll continue to do that year over year. Uh, What we're going to do here, though, is kind of preliminarily focus on the players as far as I see them, and then over the course, as you know of what I do, I will take what's, you know, here. I don't have the time always to... uh, to dig into these guys at a really deep level, right? Like scout six or seven games. Like that's what I love about the post draft. The Browns make their picks. I go through it on my own and do the post draft stuff and try to tie in what I actually think about the players compared to what the Browns said about them. So I will do those film room write-ups at the OBR. And when I do those, I will try to do an accompanying a podcast about those players. So that's going to be a part of the plan moving forward is sort of my deep dive, taking in their film, looking at scouting reports, where they were drafted and try to come up with like a comprehensive breakdown of that player. Because I think that's important uh, to go through one by one, talk about not in the, you know, uh, details from 20,000 feet, but like details from up close, what I saw, what I believe and how I think they translate. So that's going to be a part of the plan. If you've paid attention to how I've covered the draft in recent years, I will also do um, 
spend some time doing a show where I break down each of these players with local beat writers who cover them in an effort to, to like try to get you insight uh, for you know what these players were at the college level, those people who covered them, interviewed them, talked to them, maybe some funny stories. That's been a lot of fun over the last two years. I think maybe I've done that two or three years. That's always a fun pod. So it's just about finding time with the right people who covered them. So check for that over the course of the next two weeks. And really what we're going to be doing is breaking down all of these prospects, try to do it one by one. But today I want to just do sort of preliminarily who they are, the pick slot analysis and kind of an overarching scouting report. And then, like I said, we'll get deeper, more granular as you know, if you're listening to people who say they know everything about these guys right now, outside of the big names who spend this full-time jobs doing this, Dane, you know, the NFL network crew, Daniel Jeremiah, I don't think many people in the local market have spent a ton of time on Cedric Tillman, Ika, McGuire, like they're just looking at things from the outside in. I want to get you inside the bubble and teach you more about these players. So yeah, that's that's the goal here. And like I said, today is more just about, uh, you know, umbrella over top. What did it look like? How did it shape out? And talking to you about players that they will be compared to. I would urge you to go out and read some of the quotes from Andrew Barry, both on Friday night and Saturday night from their thoughts on the players that they selected. There are some interesting quotes in there, some things that give you an idea of how they're going to use players. That's always fun. So check that out. If you can find a way to get a hold of those transcripts or a write-up, I think there's some interesting nuggets in those. But let's dig in on each of these players because I do, again, think there's some really fun stuff to talk about here. So Friday night starts out with Cedric Tillman. Now, if you listen to us at the OBR, Cedric Tillman didn't get a lot of love because he was outside of the normal age parameters. Going to be 23 years old when the season kicks off, right? Um, you know, He's actually 23 years old right now. will be 23, just under 23 and a half when the season kicks off. So that's outside of the parameters of the age guardrails, right? We're always trying to focus in and give you an idea of who the Browns are going to take. So we're, you know, Jack Duffin's doing a great job. Stephen Thomas was doing this before. We have people at the OBR dedicated to looking at traditionally the ages by round and traditionally the athletic scores, the relative athletic scores, and some of the other little factors that go into that too and give you an idea of like a pool of players. Because that's what the Browns do. They pick, Andrew Barry says it all the time, they have a pool of guys they're comfortable with and we're trying to find as many of those guys as we can. Now, the thing you don't want your organization to be doing is being predictable and only fitting players into their draft board that fit these very specific things. Now, especially when you're picking at 74, 98, 111, 126, and beyond, you want to be a lot more flexible, If you're inve- largely because the in- investment is not crazy high, right? If you look at some of these guys maybe in first and second round where you're paying them more and using some of your most valuable assets as a franchise, age becomes a more important factor, obviously, very much so, because you're talking about second contracts. And then obviously the athleticism of said players should be strong because, again, how high is their ceiling? That's always something you're looking at. And athleticism usually correlates if you've got the right football talent with a great athlete and a young player. That's usually the mold. Now, the NFL is shifting to that more as a whole, but the Browns are on the forefront. If you go look at teams who are drafting young, the Browns are the leading team drafting young. That's both good and bad at times, but that's the truth. So what we're trying to do is always kind of guide you to prospects within these parameters that we know. We do know now after Friday's section that this has shifted significantly. They've taken players now over 23 years old in the third round. 
And they took a player with a poor relative athletic score in the third round, and those were outside what they normally do. And again, you don't want your franchise only doing specific things because what that can mean is the 31 other teams will know that. They'll know who you're looking at, why you're looking at them, and continually take those players from you in jumping in front of you, so on and so forth. Now, you might think that happened here in fr- on Friday's uh, draft, but the Browns claim they didn't. And Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski probably wouldn't admit that anyway if they were you know, dead set on keeping, uh, or ho- sorry, trying to take Jalen Hyatt at pick 74. Uh, the Giants jump up to 73, largely because they must have thought the Browns were going to take Hyatt, so they jump up to 73, trade, take him. Cleveland says they wanted Cedric Tillman all along. Who's to know the truth on that? We'll never know from the outside looking in. And again, they wouldn't go to a presser and be like, yeah, we're really bummed we missed out on Jalen Hyatt. That was our guy, but we like Tillman a little bit too. Like, that's never going to happen. They're going to say they got the guy they wanted. But again, this is something to analyze from a broader picture is now the 23 years old plays into it. They could take 23. They've shown they'll take a 23-year-old player around this draft slot. So um, with Cedric Tillman, from, again, just very, very preliminarily looking at him. A guy a lot of people liked, smart people, Matt Waldman, Dane liked him a ton. A lot of people that I trust in the scouting side of things liked him a lot. Thought he was by far the better player at Tennessee and thought if he had come out after the 21 season where he went for over 1,000 yards, he would have been maybe even drafted in the same slot here because it was a much better, deeper wide receiver draft last year, but they just thought his his stock was higher. And and, and Stefanski and and, um, and Barry noted that, right? He missed a lot of games this past year. He only played six total, I think, before the ankle injury, and that hurt his stock. Now, that stock could be hurt, and it could be a great thing where the Browns got him, but nonetheless, uh, it's noteworthy that he had been on radars, came back, and this happened to him. But from the, again, from the outside looking in, kind of similarly ranked on a lot of boards. The Browns had him, uh, sorry, Sports Info Solutions had him at 11th overall at the position. Cedric Tillman was uh, the eighth overall receiver for Dane with the second or third round grade, 57th overall. So people liked him. We just didn't spend a ton of time at the OBR because he was outside the age range. We're going to bend that stuff and we look at the next draft, right? We're going to be more flexible. But it is uh, it is apparent we didn't spend enough time with him. Some people who cover their teams did, but we there's a lot to be learned about Cedric Tillman is my point. Contested catch guy, 6'3", 213, big body, played X. Traditionally, he was playing the right side only in Tennessee's offense. You could think that's a problem, but I don't really think it's a problem. It's not a big deal to me. Um, he can move. I think he can move, and Stefanski has noted that. Maybe we'll see if he moves inside more but at least side to side he can move he's a kid from las vegas he's at the bishop gorman program dtr was there dorian thompson robinson who the browns took later uh, he has come from a good football background has had a nice success at tennessee again where he had some pretty good seasons where he put up the first 1000 yard season at tennessee since justin hunter in 2012 when he went for 64 catches 1081 and 12 touchdowns in uh, 21 in 22 like i said he played six games 37 catches for 17 three touchdowns. Um, he was, uh, let me see here again, didn't make any uh, postseason award teams, which isn't surprising given what some of the numbers are here. I think he would have had a much bigger 22 based on where Hendon Hooker was sort of playing at that time and how that offense was rolling, but a little bit of an opportunity miss. But again, that opportunity miss could end up benefiting the Browns. Fifth year junior, so he's been around that program for a while. Um, the play strength is solid. The catch radius, I think, is is good. Not great, but good. He catches the football really well. Only five drops over the course of his career at Tennessee. 
And he's not going to really throttle down, make you miss with slick hips. He's really going to be more of a guy who's tough to bring down through physicality, right? Not a burner because he's a 4-5 guy, but he is a long strider who can build up speed. That's what I've noticed from things I've watched so far. And that's similar, like I said, to to playing X in the Browns offense where you're running a lot of digs, slants, post, post and goes, uh, uh, you know, different routes, pogos, uh, different routes like that basic routes, things, whatever name you want to use for some of those routes, different offenses use different names. I think he's got the ability to run those vertical linear routes. He's good at it. That's the exposition. And listen, a lot of people want to write, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones off. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is trending toward playing out his contract, probably gets consideration for another deal. But if Cedric Tillman's who you think he is, you might have a natural replacement there. Body type, all of that stuff sort of fits, even though Donovan was a little better overall athlete at the position so you know again like what are you looking for at this point well we're looking at this guy to be a big body player be able to step on the field given any issues whether injuries or guys needing breaks play z play x handle the route tree that is put in front of him and i think he'll be able to do that early on and again don't think he's ever going to be a fantastic separator because i don't like some of the stuff that uh he puts at the top of routes just not quick oily enough doesn't tack it doesn't attack the blind spots the way I'd like to. And again, Tennessee's offense, you watch it. It's an up-tempo, RPO-heavy, weird offense. A lot of quick screens try to get guys down the sideline, stack uh, alignments. It's kind of crazy. Um, but but you can see where he can be used in an NFL situation, right? I see development into a number two receiver, uh, you know, the low end, a third guy, if you have a more elite slot that you can pair with your, with your other around him. And I see a nice pairing here between him and Elijah Moore, moving into the future. So maybe not the name you're expecting, right? Cause, cause like Jalen Hyatt goes to pick before Cleveland um, tank Dell, who, who was older. And I didn't think the Browns would be all too interested in because of size and age goes 69th overall Marvin Mims, who had a lot of Browns fans goes 63rd to Denver. So he was off the board. Um, Rasheed Rice went a little earlier than expected 55. He was gone. Jaden Reed from Michigan state went way earlier to green Bay at 50. He was gone. And then Jonathan Mingo up there at pick 39, the Mississippi uh, kid went uh, a lot earlier than some, some people thought he'd get into the early second round, but that was not a consensus for sure. So if you're looking at, okay, who could the Browns, you could argue as you compare the future here of Tillman that he could have been Hyatt if the Browns were just a little more aggressive and traded up to secure the pick. They could have got them the guy they wanted, right? But really what you're looking at of guys they could have taken after him, certainly Josh Downs at pick 79, but again, a different body type, different player, more of a slot guy, separator. Uh, that's just, again, a different player than maybe what they were looking for at this point, given what they have with Elijah Moore. And then the next receivers were Michael Wilson, the Stanford kid, went to Arizona at 94. And, and this is like, a, it was a run on receivers I didn't expect. Trey Tucker, the not not uh, Tyler Scott. Trey Tucker goes 100 to Cincinnati, or sorry, to Las Vegas. You keep moving along here. You know, Darius uh, Darius Davis from TCU goes 125 to the Chargers. And then Charlie Jones, who's more of a return specialist, goes to Cincinnati. Um, he's from Purdue at 131. And Tyler Scott goes 133 to the Bears. Like Tyler Scott, Josh Downs would have been in consideration for me. And that's probably it. I mean, the next receivers you see go, Justin Shorter from Florida at 150. Dontavian Wicks, Virginia at once, uh, 158. And then, yeah, uh, K, you know, pa Puka Nakua from BYU goes 177. Then I think Parker Washington, who you guys know I liked a lot in drafts, kind of as a later receiver, goes 185 to Jacksonville. And then Kayshawn uh, Boutique goes 
187 in New England. Like the direct comparisons for they could have had this guy type of stuff here is definitely Josh Downs at 79. That stands out to me more than anybody else. And then we'll see how Tyler Scott's career goes too. So the direct comparison, Josh Downs, Tyler Scott, little different players, but those are the most uh, closely correlated uh, connections. I think that is uh, pretty fair. Uh, the the RAS score, the relative athletic score for um, you know for Tillman is a, an 8.67. Height and weight are strong for him. Explosion is great with a 37-inch vertical and a 1008 broad. And then with 4.5440, his best of the of the run times was the 10-yard split of 157, which is almost a, a great number at the position. He did not do the shuttle, but he did the three cone. A 7.32 was not good. So you can certainly tell how he's not sort of a double move guy, a quick creation of separation type. He is, again, going to really do that stuff with downfield, build up speed, running past people, and then throttling down, doing comebacks, curls. He's got to eliminate probably an extra step in some of those routes, but I could certainly see how he can gain the ability to learn how some of these guys, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, are using these techniques to better themselves, and he can pick up on some of the nuances. So he's got to develop some separation through learning what sort of ways he can you know, learn tricks of the trade at the next level. But his ability to catch the football, go up and get it, run that vertical tree is dangerous enough to give a lot of teams fits. So that is pick 74, Cedric Tillman. Next pick, Siaki Ike, pick 98. This one's interesting. I mean, none of us saw it coming. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. There were people that, that floated it around because of the big body, the size, 6'3", 335. Uh, you know, you're talking about people all off season trying to figure out how to stop the run which is an important factor for the Browns, right? Uh, they got to fix this run defense, which is understandable, and they were drawn to him. I mean, he's a fire hydrant at the point of attack. Like, he is just, he's, he's stout. But what do you have here? You have what is, in my opinion, a pretty poor athlete. His relative athletic score was a 274. Now, smart people such as the guy who developed this uh, technique, Kentley Platt, will talk about nose tackles, don't necessarily, you know, you don't need to lean into those. They're not going to be athletic. Are they powerful? That's what they're needed to be. They're powerful guys. Well, this is where I'm concerned with that. Obviously, the the six two is not you know huge in terms of the vertical height. Six three, it's fine. Three thirty five is big. And really, if you were grading like space eating wide bodies, uh, Ika is the guy. Like right, he is he is extremely wide, and he's a surprising athlete on tape compared to what I saw testing wise. But where you're most concerned is we didn't get a bench number. He's got short arms, thirty two inch arms. That's pretty damn short, and he didn't test bench, which is weird to me because bench should be something a guy like that is testing because shorter arms are usually stronger bench guys, and you want to see how powerful he is. Like, for example, Broderick Jones, who went, I think, two picks in front of, sorry, Broderick Martin, defensive tackle from Western Kentucky, a huge human, went two picks in front of him, has extremely long arms out of Western Kentucky, big body guy, similar type, not as twitchy, but a huge guy. And uh, he didn't test bench either, but the like longer armed guys, which obviously help you create leverage at the point of attack, is going to be uh, beneficial, right? So, so Ika doesn't have the long arms. He clearly didn't test bench, which should have been something that he should have crushed. He didn't want to do that either. So you you're left guessing a, a little bit there. The Brown staff noted he's played between 335 and 355, depending on scheme. We'll see what that looks like. There was a little joke about him being going from a dump truck to a Ferrari. A little interesting quote that came from that, which is uh, from Andrew Barry, which pretty much what he meant by that is, uh, Schwartz, Jim Schwartz meant by that, the defensive coordinator, is that he's going from playing two-gap, which is 
you know, being able to handle play more at the line of scrimmage and handle two gaps with a running back movement. And now they just want to playing one gap, which is just shoot, you know, beat people upfield and create havoc in the backfield. So we'll see if that translates because that Dave Aranda defense at Baylor is certainly different and unique. So there's excitement. They think that he can do that. They have him as at SIS as the third ranked player at the position, which is certainly high, but they only evaluate based on like nose tackle or shade. So that feels about right to me. As far as what Dane views him as, I think uh, he has him as the eighth overall defensive tackle, um, you know, collectively ac- across the group. He was pretty high on him compared to some other services who graded him a little bit lower because the production was not as strong his senior year as it was his junior year. So he was uh, he was eighth right behind Addy Adabawari out of Northwestern, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, he is called, I think he goes by the nickname, and we'll eventually get to that as, a, as an organization, uh, Apu, A-P-U, it's pronounced Apu Ika. So we'll see if that becomes the norm instead of using um, Siaki instead of that. So, you know, we'll just sort of see. I see a lot of Baylor people calling him that. But again, started at LSU, went to Baylor his last two years. And what's interesting to me, and it's certainly noteworthy here, is he had six and a half tackles for loss and four and a half sacks in 2021. That's pretty strong production. He got second team all Big 12, Big 12 newcomer of the year, expected. He dipped down one tackle. He went from 25 to 24 in 22, and he didn't have a single sack, and he only had two tackles for loss, but he still got first team all Big 12. So with the media and coaches still thought he impacted the game in a, in a meaningful way, and that does say something. Okay, He was a team captain, which, again, I like that too for a guy who transferred winning over his teammates. So... He's nimble. He's disruptive for his size. He's stout. He's got the powerful traits, even though we didn't get the bench number and the arms are shorter. You can see where the athleticism is limited. Didn't it, add, it didn't always add up to impacting plays, but the tools stuff is there to be at least a high floor. And what I mean by a high floor is probably like a similar version of Danny Shelton. And you might laugh and scoff at that because your memories of Danny Shelton are not what, you know, they're not, they're not great. But he eventually became a decent NFL interior player, nose tackle type. And in new england and he if he can be something like that instead of a first round danny shelton a 98th overall pick danny shelton you can certainly stomach that so i i think there's some encouraging levels of this even if you're concerned and i certainly understand people like myself initially and i still feel this way you can typically get a player like this a space eating type that doesn't get much pass pressure which is interesting because stefanski and barry noted you know, we're looking for pass rush guys is the predominant thing we're searching for is pass rush, but this is an element to it as well. So it's like, if you're looking for pass rush, you can't really claim he's a pass rush guy. He's got a swim move, which is nice, but he hasn't really developed anything. You want him to be a better bull rush player. He's not. The swim move is nice, but it can be stopped. And at times he can get that thing, you know, kind of dismantled from that thing from the team that has him scouted out pretty well. He'll have to develop like a push pull, a bull rush, Uh, A long arm would be good for him. We'll see if he can develop some of those things. It's just the arm length, the apparent lack of either strength or trust in the ability to display that strength at the combine, mixed with the low-graded, he didn't even test in the athleticism categories, right? Didn't test in vertical or broad. Um, We know the short shuttle and three cone were bad. It feels like a very capped player where I prefer some of these guys are a bit more upside based. But if he is decent enough at stopping the run, can find 25 snaps for you, can play early downs, it's not a wasted pick. But I would have preferred some different options at that spot with more upside as a professional. And again, you're capping it here because of you worry about the weight, you worry about the short arms, you worry about the lack of athleticism. 
He's got some things to overcome, and it feels like this is a player that you can typically get from a UDFA from a team that has come into the NFL, played a little bit, can eat that roll up. We'll see, though. I could be totally off. He could be a much better a much better pro than uh, than we know, right? He could be much better than we than we know. So, or some of us think. I think it's fair to question this pick, though, especially the athleticism and lack of production uh, his last year. It's fair to question it. We'll see if it can work out. I will dig into all of his 21 and 22 tape and try to get you answers on why it didn't translate from one year to the next. And we'll talk to some people schematically from Baylor who can help us out with some of that Dave Aranda stuff too. So the direct comparisons will be, okay, Broderick Martin at 96. Now the Browns couldn't have drafted him because he was gone, but he is a, a close body type, style type, everything to uh, Siaki Ika, right? So that's a comparison. If you're talking about they could have had this guy as a defensive tackle, the first and most obvious one is Addy Adebaware, who goes a pick before the Browns 111. He goes 110 to the Colts. That's a defensive tackle. Probably plays more D-tackle than edge. And then your next defensive tackle is Cameron Young from Seattle, who went to Mississippi State. Um, a little bit more of a three-tech than a shade. Like, you know, obviously you can play Siaki and Dalvin Tomlinson on the field at the same time. I think he's going to play. Uh, there's no option here. He's going to play the zero shade offset of the center, maybe even in some of the wider front stuff, bump out to more of a one technique. But he's going to be an inside guy. And then lastly is Jacqueline Roy, who Jordan Reed came on my podcast, said he thought the Browns would go that direction. Roy has taken 141. He's a very similar player to Ika. Big guy. Going to be an inside run stop first type of player. So those are your direct comparisons that we'll be circling back to throughout the rookie years and then years two and three as well. So those are your first two picks from Friday night. We're going to take a, a quick break, the first break of this episode, hear from our sponsors, and then when we come back, we'll dig into the myriad of picks, uh, all five of them that were made uh, on day three of the NFL Draft. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so the third day of the draft starts with a little bit of a run on tackles that we thought the Browns would be interested uh, at some point in these guys. Nick Saldaveri 
out of Old Dominion goes 103. And then Blake Freeland, who we really honed in on as an identified type of target for the Browns uh, out of BYU, ends up going 106. So at 111, Dewan Jones, who's had a lot of people who love his game, right? Like SIS has him ranked as the 42nd overall player in the class, sixth at the position. Uh, Dane puts him all the way up as a second round grade, 62nd overall. He's sitting there at 111 and they take him. So I think I, I it was on the OBR show, so I'm not breaking some news here. There was some dissension in the office of who liked him or didn't, right? It sounds like the Callahan group and some scouts did not like or want Dewan Jones and the in the in the decision maker of the draft, Andrew Barry did. Okay. So with the choice of taking Jones, you're obviously gonna your mind's gonna go to a couple things. Okay. This means Jedrick Will's fifth year won't be picked up. Well, we don't know that. They have until Tuesday. Signs aren't great that this is gonna happen, but we'll see. Tuesday's the decision got time to figure it out he was asked directly about it yesterday we still don't know he won't answer that just gonna have to see from the actions but it does tell me this they're keeping their options open at tackle jack conklin's got a couple years on this new deal uh he's been injury prone they want an answer at that side and they obviously want to put some pressure on jedrick wills one way or the other because dewan has experience playing both tackles now more experience significantly more playing right tackle than left tackle but he has done it in his career he played his first career start was a left tackle in 2020, where he played in six games, had that one start. Then his 13 and 21 and 12 and 22 were both on the both those years on the right side. So really, only 25 right tackle snaps, only one uh, sorry starts, uh, one left tackle start. So you know when you're looking at Dewan Jones, that you're trying to analyze why is he there at 111. That's the question, right? This guy is a talented player. He's senior bully, blows up the first day. He leaves. There's some like, where is he? What happened? Um, let's just let's just say what I th- I'm just gonna say what I think. I think there's a question over how much the guy loves football. How committed is he to it? How much does he care? Is he and that scared people away from early investments in a very talented player, a guy 6'8", 375, who can move the way he can move. Is a, is a The guy's got a great basketball history. He's under 22 years old. Everything checks the box, except for you're just sort of nervous um, about the commitment, right? And that's, I think, where a team's earlier in the draft were nervous about it. But the Browns at pick 111, like, fourth-round picks are sort of, they're lotto tickets. Uh, lotto tickets, which you, you want some specific upside to, but nonetheless, lotto tickets in the history of the draft. So, like... I'm more than okay with the risk of this at 111 than I am at say 25 or 35, where you're you're trying to go after things that are a little bit more certain that eliminate eliminate those factors, right? So with Dewan Jones, again, third team All Big Ten in 21, second team All American, third team All Big Ten in 22. He's huge. Didn't give up any sacks. He moves well. The question for him again, and he's he's a you know I think Andrew Barry called him a human orca. He is as big as they come, eighty-seven in a basically eighty-eight inch wingspan, eleven and five eighths, almost twelve inch hands, thirty-seven inch arms, like huge guy, six eight, every bit of six eight and a half, three seventy-four. He didn't weigh a little concerning because I meant to mention this on Ika because the weight thing for Ika is a concern. He weighed in at the pro day, at, uh, sorry, at the combine at 335, and then he came back at 347. So he put on a lot of weight 
in a short period of time. All that weight came back. And that's like the fluctuation of weight thing for these big guys does make you nervous. So Jones checks in 374 at the combine, doesn't weigh in at pro day, chooses not to do the weight specifically, probably for a reason. And then obviously he chooses not to do any of the testing. He never did a vertical. He never did a broad short shuttle or three cone. Didn't bench either. Now long arm guys typically don't love to bench because they're not as good at it. And he's a plenty powerful guy. He's a mauler, right? He can crush and run game. He's got unbelievable length. He can use the hands to be powerful anchors. He's he's on the football field. He's good. The concern is just how much does he love it? What's his attitude like? How invested is he? The Ohio State people claim it's gotten better. We're going to talk to some people this week, but they claim it's gotten better. Now, he can struggle every now and again at his size. He's massive to redirect, right? Can get a little lungy. Uh, Sometimes, you know, how does he handle people turning the corner? He's going to be able to handle those true speed demons in the NFL. He did pretty well in college, though. There's a lot to like. But it's a commitment thing. And as we're looking at Jedrick Wills, where some similar questions are happening around his commitment to the game, his love, the burning fire inside to finish plays and be the best, I think that's where you could see the coaching staff not wanting to have that happen again. And, um, you know, we'll just we'll leave it at that. And I've said this before. I said it on the Twitch show. There's There's some smart people that have gone on pods recently and talked about how there are more college risk factors out there than we know. There are guys who just sometimes, sometimes guys don't even go to practice. Like there was a story that I heard on the Rosillo podcast about Greg Hardy, not even going to practices at Ole Miss when a scout would go check in. Now he's not here. He's not at practice. This is a common thing. He talked about a top 20 wide receiver in the NFL who didn't go to practices in college all the time, uncommitted, checked out me person, but to go to the NFL and things change, right? You know, either money's on the line, uh, all of that stuff. Like, you know, the dollar bills can change guys attitude and commitment to things. Getting fined is different than getting, extra laps after practice for missing class or missing something like it changes it can change guys and what he was illuminating is there are way more character concerns and guessing stuff here you have to do with the type of person going into the NFL than you think and there are way more risks taken and the Browns took one here at 111 there's no doubt about it but the risk versus the talent it's interesting to say the least so Dewan Jones will dig in on more of the tape but I'm telling you the tape isn't even going to be the problem he can be the right tackle of the future he is a clear Starter upside player. Don't think he's going to be a left tackle, but I'm sure they'll be inclined to try it. But it's how does he show up to Berea for camp? Is he in shape? Is he blown up? Is he physically okay? What does it look like? There's going to be a lot of questions. He can't play at 400 pounds. He can't do it. He's got to play at 375 or below. And, and he has every chance to be an elite tackle. He can be really, really good. But the other stuff is there. And we'll talk about it. We'll continue to talk about it. Uh, tackles that were taken after him the Browns could have had or been interested in. Uh, Carter Warren from Pittsburgh, uh, who goes to the New York Jets at 120 as a comparison piece. We talked about the guys in front of him, but the guys after him, that uh, that's really it. I mean, the next offensive tackle selected might be Jake Whitnose. Asim Richards pick 169 to the Cowboys, and then Warren McClendon from Georgia goes 174 to the Rams. So, Again, I don't have a problem with this pick. He didn't test enough to give a, a relative athletic score that mattered. But we'll see, man. We'll see. An athlete on tape, so you hope that translates a little bit. Next is Isaiah McGuire, the edge at pick 126 out of Missouri. The Browns like him. I think he's a, a guy that we were all drawn to because of a lot of factors. How he tested, the age, he fit a lot of those things that we were very interested in. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of filtering down that we tried to do, he was able to do 
uh, check as many of those boxes as we wanted. He uh, he checks in on the big board for Dane uh, at the number 15 edge, third or fourth round grade, 94th overall. Getting him at 126 feels pretty good, uh, given what was, you know, like I said, the pre-draft ranking. He kind of uh, slid back a little bit. There weren't a ton of edges taken before him. Colby Wooden, but he's more inside. He's got that hybrid ability. Uh, Dylan Horton at 109 from TCU is a guy who would be a comparison piece, but there weren't, again, as the third round kicked off, a ton of, like, uh, comparison pieces in, in the leading up part. The run hadn't happened. Now, the Browns take him at 126. The largest comparison will be Tavius Robinson out of Ole Miss, who goes 124 to the Ravens. He was taken two picks before, and then directly after, so comparison again for guys that would go after him, Villahimi Fihoko Jr., who's a San Jose State, might be Viliami Fajoko Jr. Uh, San Jose State edge goes to the Cowboys at 129. Tyler Lacey, the Oklahoma State edge, goes to Jacksonville at 130. And then the Commanders take K.J. Henry, the edge from Clemson at 137. So those are your closest comparison. And obviously, Fajoko, Lacey, K.J. Henry picks immediately after the Browns could have had. So again, we'll see. He is uh, the number 37-ranked player at the position, according to Sports Info Solutions. They did not like him very much. Again, Dane much higher on him. But they like the power. Uh, the power rip move is great. He's got good range. He can set the edge. He's got good discipline. They think, uh, some people think the suddenness isn't what it needs to be. The hand usage isn't consistent, doesn't have a counter. The Browns seem to think that he's a slippery pass rusher is how they labeled him. They see the power. They see the ability to get up underneath pad level. But they think uh, he's called, they called him slippery, right? They think he can play both phases with power, but a slippery rusher. He does put together some moves here and there, but the consistency of that hand usage is concerning. And then the, a noted weakness from several people is sort of that, that suddenness is missing a little bit. But the production was good. He had 27 tackles for loss over his last two years, had uh, 94 tackles combined in those last two, 21 and 22, and then 13 and a half sacks two forced fumbles and a pass defended. He led the team in sacks in 21, led them again in 22. He was a team captain, second team All-SEC. A lot to like, a lot to like. Checks the boxes of relative athletic score where he checked in with that that 10-yard split time at a 159. And even if like NFL has it at uh, the NFL Network's uh, listing of what he did at the combine, even though he ran a 476, they had him at a 172 10-yard split. So for some reason, a lot of people who are swearing by the 159 number, if you meet that in the middle, it's a 165-ish number, which is still right around the Browns threshold. The explosion stuff is elite, though. You really like the vertical and broad, right? That's good. You like those. Can he develop more? Can he can he get more bend? Can he find a way to be a more consistent pass rusher? Anytime you're taking a guy around the 120 range as a pass rusher, it's because his ability to get to the quarterback, the margin for error is small, right? Like Miles Garrett can turn the corner, at will at minimum he can rush upfield turn the corner dip rip and be by you and that's an auto pressure for him almost not many guys are like that Isaiah McGuire is not like that but he does do some things his, his tape against Broderick Jones the Pittsburgh uh, deep, uh, offensive tackle they took in the first round is really good he can disrupt with power but how does he handle the nuances does he get better at those things can he get to the point that he has multiple pass rush moves and answers that will define his career much like Alex Wright who the Browns took the year before, that will define the career. I like McGuire. I like the pick. There's good comparison pieces for down the line to see if the Browns made it. I think they made the right call at the right time here. I like the player, like the Rask, or like the age where he's still twenty under 22 years old. He'll be just over 22 at the start of the season. A, a good amount of things to like here for him. His combine pro day weight, height weight held the same. 
Nothing really changed. I just think he's a physically impressive player who has a chance. He has a chance if he can develop more, become a more cerebral player, use the power, use the speed, know how to time together. He's got a chance to be a rotational player this year. So, again, Isaiah McGuire, a lot to like. One more break. We're going to come back from break. We're going to hit on the last three picks, and then we'll be out of here. Maybe hit on the, the UDFAs quickly, and then we'll be out of here. So stick around. We'll be right back. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. All right, last three picks. So at 140, the Browns made the pick that I <laughs> I can't stand. I'm sorry, I can't I can't stand that they did this. Now, I understand all of the angles you're going to give me for the Dorian Thompson Robinson pick. I get it. He's a natural fit as a backup. They like the talent. You need an answer if your quarterback gets hurt. I don't like it. The best version of Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's a very experienced player. He's got multiple Pac-12 awards, second team, second team, honorable mention. He's played a thousand. He's played in 50 games, 48 started under Chip Kelly. He's playing in an offense that's going to be similar to a lot of aspects the Browns are going to be running in the future. 1,359 attempts. And accuracy got better. Decision making got better into his last year. I get all of it. I get all of it. He's under. He's going to be 24, about 24 when this, his rookie season starts. He want a long term backup. The Browns even talked about this. Barry and Stefanski. Wanting long-term answers at the most important position in the NFL with backups and answers and all of this stuff. I get all of it. But the best version of Dorian Thompson-Robinson never sees the field. Never sees the field. Because Deshaun's going to be here 10 years. His plan is to be here 10 years. And if you're taking Dorian Thompson-Robinson because you think, you know, he's going to be an answer if if Deshaun goes down for some extended period of time, that ain't happening. It's not. Okay, I don't like to do that. I take it back. He could. He could turn out to be really good. That's in the realm of possibilities, but the likelihood of that happening is so slim. And given that there were so many players on the board that I still like, I could go through so many guys I would have loved to have taken a risk on. And don't tell me that it's just a throwaway pick. I mean, we saw Talanoa Hofanga, the safety uh, from USC, go 180 and be an all-pro player in three years. Like, I would have been interested in Noah Sewell. I would have been interested in Servasier Dennis. I would have been interested... In Antonio Johnson, the Texas A&M safety, I would have been interested in Jamie Robinson. Like there were a lot of guys that I would have been very interested that went right after that, that I think the Browns could get so much more out of if they hit on him. If they hit on Dorian Thompson Robinson, I, I mean, like, again, he could like Deshaun could fall off the face of the earth and become really bad. And DTR could be this great. And it's a miracle. And everyone's writing the swan song about how the Browns still figured it out. And they're like, people are saying, well, the Eagles had Carson Wentz and they they took, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts and it worked out for them. Well, Jalen Hurts was a Heisman nominated type of player. He was in multiple national championship games. He was talented and, and more talented than Dorian Thompson Robinson. And listen, it worked out. That's great. But that's not what you're getting here pre-draft. Like he could, again, I'm not trying to eliminate wide, wide ranges of outcomes. Right. I get that. He could figure this whole thing out. I'm not naive to him, uh, the slim chance that he can become something special because I hate saying never for any player. 
But the best version of him is he never plays. He's just a lifelong backup in Cleveland. Spot starts here and there, maybe wins a couple. Maybe of those. And again, I'm being generous. You know, some people are like, well, hey, they could they could get something for him if he balls out, right? He plays really well. If he plays in regular season games and plays really well, first of all, that sucks because the Brown season is over. And if that comes to fruition, if he plays a few games, it's hard to see a team giving up a lot for him. And if he plays really well in preseason, someone said they could trade him then. Well, maybe they'll get a fifth round pick back for him. And that's what they just, I just think I would rather use this pick. And you can hate me for saying this, whatever. I would just rather use this pick on a player for a position that I could get something out of that player over the course of their career. Because if Dorian Thompson Robinson and, 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 uh, you know, Deshaun Watson at the best of the best of what they could be, DTR's never seen the field. He's never seen the field. So I think it's a waste of a pick. Now, again, call me an idiot. That's fine. Whatever. But I just would not have made this pick. I'm going to leave it at that. I'll evaluate him. We'll do a film room. A lot to like. Athletic can move. Fits the mold of the backup for Deshaun. Whatever, though. I'm just, I'm just, I, I would have gone a different route. Just would have gone a different route. Point blank. So anyway, we're going to move off DTR. We're going to move to Cam Mitchell, who is the next pick going after more Northwestern defensive backs. So Cameron Mitchell is a uh, is a fun prospect, right? So I think the thing that sticks out to me is how much, uh, particularly how much Dane liked him. He was number 85 on Dane's big board, his top 100, which means Dane thinks he was a really good player. Brown see inside-out versatility. They think they have several guys on their roster that can do that, but they see inside-out versatility for him. He's played 35 games, 24 starts, honorable mention All-Big Ten twice, led the team in passes defended in 22 he had six uh, six passes defended in 2020 and 21. He had six, and then in 10 passes defended in 2022. He put up sack and a half, three tackles, three and a half tackles for loss in his career at Northwestern, 119 total tackles. Listen, got to continue to develop the eye discipline. I think he can get, whether it's the, the missing part of getting in, in into his blind spots or biting on double moves, he's got to clean that up a little bit. But the athleticism, I think, is really, it shows on tape. It translates. He is a uh, 8.87 RAS score guy. Gets knocked a little bit for the height, but the weight and bench are good. What you like is the 4.4740 with two strong split times in the 20 and 10 yard splits. And then the shuttle and three cone were also strong as well. 35 inch vertical. You can see how this could be a slot player. There's some encouraging numbers around his 100 or so um, you know, box snaps at Northwestern where he's tackling stuff was really strong. So maybe he's a player a bit more open to playing difficult run fits inside. I like it. Again, a guy adds depth inside and out could potentially be a starter inside, probably more likely inside than outside, but you are drawn to the traits, the experience. He knows Greg Newsom well comes from a defensive coach in Pat Fitzgerald. Who's done a nice job with players in that program. Uh, again, lacks the elite recovery burst in some of those pieces. He's not quite as twitched up as guys you see go earlier, and he doesn't have great, great size, but you can see his fitting into the NFL. Guys around him, so he was taken 142. Darius Rush was taken 138 by the Colts. Uh, the next corner after the selection of him at 142, Mitchell, the next corner is Darrell Luther out of South Alabama, goes to San Francisco at 155. And then a good comparison or cross comparison to a close pick is Caillou Blue Kelly out of Stanford goes to Baltimore at 157. And then uh, Terrell Smith, the Minnesota corner, goes to Chicago at 165. Way down at 180, so a good ways off, is a nickel that a lot of us had our eyes on in, in Kytrell Clark. 
he was out of Louisville. He goes 180 to the Cardinals. So, you know, we'll track it. We'll see. Uh, I like Mitchell's. Again, this pick at this time, I like it. I like the inside-out ability. It all adds up to me to be a player that is pretty enticing. Uh, I can see why they'd be drawn to him, the depth, and obviously the potential to answer some of those more difficult coverage questions in case guys who have, you know, a lot of these guys have been beat up, Denzel and some of the others. When Martin Emerson played a full season, but we know Newsom has missed some games here and there too. It's nice to have some answers for some of those situations. Okay, So the last player we're going to hit on from the draft portion is Luke Whipler. Okay, uh, Ohio State product who the Browns like. Right? They brought him in, said they liked him a ton, really liked his uh, intelligence, his drive, all of that. They were very into him when they had him in, and obviously they, they try to bring in those Ohio State guys as often as they can. Uh, and I can see why they're drawn to him. I can see why they're trying to get cheaper at center. Right? They signed, obviously signed Ethan Postage to a long-term deal, but it's not that long and they can get out of it. There's a way to make this position cheaper. He directly challenges Nick Harris. You know, he's got a deep background in multiple sports, baseball, lacrosse, hockey. You can see it. He moves well. He took over at center for, uh, uh, I think it was Harry, was it Harry Miller. I think he took over for in 21, played the whole season, started every game, and then started every game this past year. He was an honorable mention, all Big Ten player. Uh, he tested really well with a 9-3-1 Rascal, and he's, at, at the time of the draft, still under 22 years old. You like his uh, 20 and 10-yard split times. He has a 30-and-a-half-inch vertical, which is strong for the center position, 8-10 broad. Strong shuttle and three cones, so you can see him getting out, moving in space, and being a puller. And then the bench numbers were good. 29 bench reps as well. 6'2 303. Held that weight, maintained that weight. That's what he was at his pro day as well. So, you know, the, the, again, six-round pick here, totally get the value. Totally get it. If you can get a long-term answer at center, cheaper answer, it all adds up. You know, he's got a he's – a, he's a bit sawed off, right? He's not very long. The arm length is 31 inches. You can see that. Right, it's not very long player. You can see where some t- some guys with longer limbs are going to give him fits. Maybe bull rush him at times, um, and and they obviously need to bulk him up. They want to get him stronger to adapt to that NFL power. But the athleticism is good enough. The handwork is good. You know, he he talked about he could play guard because you know it's easier. You take your hand off the football. There's less stress there. But I I think he's just a center only. Uh, but his own team, you know, and I think he can be a gap team with a center puller as well. So starts out as a backup center, potentially a guy who can step in and do more. A lot to like with Luke Whipler. I especially like him at that spot. He was the 95th overall graded player for uh, Sports Info Solutions, fifth at the position, fourth at the position for Dane. They liked him a lot. Um, and again, just a good athlete, good player, good strong center for Ohio State for a while that could climb to the second level. It was very technically sound. Did a great job, but we'll see. His ultimate success to me, just like Nick Harris, is not a very lanky guy or a very big guy. Is how he's bigger than Nick Harris, but still not that big for the position. Is how well does he handle the length of opponents and the bull rushing bigger physical interior players? Whip, you know, I don't know. I got to study the tape to see if Whipler has some of that. Like Nick Harris used that hop technique, and it was pretty effective for him. Now the knee becomes dangerous for him because that too much torque that would put on his knee, and he just tore that ACL. I don't know if Whipler will try to use something similar. We'll see. We'll check the tape, and we'll obviously pay close attention in the preseason to check that out. So Whipler's taken at pick 190. I'm uh, trying to just look at maybe any comparison guys that went later. There's probably not another center that went after this. Centers that went before, I'm going to try to see if there's any specific center. I know the the Michigan kid, Olu Oluwatami, went 154 to the Seahawks, but that's well out in front of the 190 the Browns used. 
Uh, but that's the only center-only comparison. Obviously, some of these guys listed as guards could slide over. 97, Ricky Stromberg, who was a great testing athlete, went to the Commanders at 97. So, uh, and again, not a, not a deep center position draft, and those are some of the main guys. Now, like I said, position changes could happen. We'll see. But I like Whipler at that value. I think he's he's fun, and uh, they could they could find a potential answer in him, just like they did with Nick Harris if Nick didn't hurt his knee. They could find an answer, and they want to get cheaper along the offensive line. There's no doubt about that. Quickly, three guys that they signed UDFAs that I think are going to matter. Okay, We'll start with the guy who I was pronouncing his name, Muhammad, but it's actually pronounced Mahmoud Diabite. Okay, So he is out of Utah, originally out of Florida, where he was a four-star recruit, the number six outside linebacker in the 2019 class, and had offers from big-time schools, considered Bama and Auburn, and you know, obviously... Um, liked uh, ended up liking Florida more, but he was he could go to a, a bunch of places. He could have went where he wanted. Essentially, uh, didn't have a great career at Florida. Had a great start where he had four and a half sacks his first year, um, and then twenty twenty had a bigger role, but he only had one and a half sacks. Even though he increased his uh, tackles for loss and overall tackle production, and then they had a third year that was again not quite the level of backfield disruption teams were hoping for. So he leaves Florida and then goes to Utah where he led the team in tackles for loss with 13 and a half. He led the team in, um, you know, I don't think he led the team in sacks, but he was close, forced to fumble, had a pass defended. Uh, just a much better overall run for him in Utah. And he's he's going to be interesting. I don't know how the Browns, maybe the Browns see him as a, a linebacker who can play Sam. He's not going to be an off-ball backer. He's going to be a more down line of scrimmage player. Maybe they want to move him into the, uh, more of the edge rotation. There's there's opportunity for this. He's a little slight, right? At six three and six three and a half, two twenty five to see that, but he could be a sub package or late down player if he makes the roster. Now you got to know he got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars as a guaranteed number, which means essentially he's viewed as like a fifth. That's more than sixth rounders get, so that's like a fifth rounder for him. So they view him and value him as a player that could make this roster every bit the same as the Browns fifth round pick which if you're looking at their fifth round picks that's DTR and that's Cameron Mitchell guys that we would expect to be on the roster so he's going to have a real chance I have to study more of him didn't give him enough chance in the pre-draft Dane notes of him he's an aggressive explosive linear athlete but the game often moves too fast for him leaving him a little out of position against the run and pass he projects as a developmental run and chase defender who will need to earn his roster spot on special teams which is a thing he could do obviously he's a really good athlete a 4-5-2-40 exceptional 20-yard split Great shuttle and three cone, an 11 foot broad, and a 34 inch vertical jump. 20 bench reps. There's a lot to like here. Like you could see him if the if they can refine it. The game finds a way to slow down for him. You never know about these guys developing. You know, there's a guy or two or three in the UDFA every class that figure it out. So you're hoping that he can figure it out. And the traits are good enough to take a risk here. And they essentially said we view you as a fifth round pick. So pay attention to Diabite, or it should be pronounced. Um, it's Diabate. I shouldn't say Bite. It's Diabate. So Mahmoud Diabate is the correct pronunciation uh, for the young man out of Utah that the Browns brought in as their most important UDFA. They brought, also brought in Lonnie Phelps, which I find is an interesting player. Guy some of us talked about in the pre-draft is somebody the Browns will be drawn to maybe for a late-round dart throw. But he went to Mount Healthy down there in Cincinnati. He's got deep Ohio connections. Goes to Miami, Ohio for college. Played a lot early. Uh, in 2019, he played 13 games as a freshman. He had a blocked punt, a 32-yard blocked punt return for a touchdown. Uh, something happened in, in uh, 2020. He didn't play a ton. Only listed as eight tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks. Only played in three games, but somehow was third-team All-Mac. I think that might be a misprint. 
three games doesn't seem like enough to qualify you for third team all Mac, but that's what uh, what the uh, the listing here says. He was second team all Mac in 2021. Where he played 13 games, started one, had 13 and a half. They they rotated a lot of people in, so don't worry about the start. He had 30 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. Second team all Mac led the team in sacks, and then decided to go to Kansas under Lance Leipold. Kansas had a great turnaround um, and had a nice year. 57 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, a forced fumble, a pass defended, uh, was second team, all Big 12 at Kansas. So this is a fun player, a guy who could see if he comes in, surprises people. He's under 23 years old. Uh, that could that could be something. You never know. You never know. And that's why you take these shots. He he has a level of athleticism and aggression he plays with that I think has a chance to translate because he plays like his hair is on fire. And you don't always get that from guys. And it's not like he's a bad athlete. He's an eight four five relative athletic score guy. Now he gets hurt the most because he's not huge. Six two and a half, two forty five. But he's got thirty one bench reps. He's explosive. He's got a nine eleven broad. He's got a thirty four inch vertical, a four five five forty with great split time, including a one five seven. 10-yard split. You can see how this can work. Not a great shuttle or three-cone, but enough to be okay with him. If he comes in, he can translate his moves to the NFL level. You could see this guy sticking on the roster. He doesn't have the size and length. It's going to be a limiting factor for him, but if he's pesky enough, man, he's tough to block. The get-off can be really exciting at times, and he's got this energy. He's, uh, he's almost a menacing player. Uh, he can be a versatile sub-rusher, a late-down player. There's a lot of upside. You know, those guys with the high motor, explosive players, the good athletes, he could see the field. He could make a 53, and that's what you want. Probably you would see him more as like a 3-4 outside linebacker, but again, the Browns could get creative with him, use him late downs, and if he can get bigger over time, he's got the flash of a pass rush repertoire that could translate. The strength is beginning to develop something here. So at the minimum, I think he's a fun special teams player. It's another guy. I think Phelps and Diabate have a chance to make – the roster. I really do. Okay, two more before we close up here. Ronnie Hickman is the is one of the names that stands out. So Hickman didn't um uh didn't actually test anything, and I think this is why he fell, because like the Brown the Browns were interested in him at various points late in the draft, but he didn't test, and I think that's why he didn't ultimately end up getting drafted. And now we know him obviously I shouldn't even have to say it, but if I if I do, he's out of Ohio State. He was Dane's 18th-ranked safety, a fifth, sixth-round grade for him. Um, he played uh, 2020 through 2022 after he redshirted in 2019. He had two straight years of second-team All-Big Ten. Actually, this is another interesting one. We're just like Dewan Jones. I take that back. I was wrong. He was a second-team All-Big Ten guy in 21, where he led the team in tackles and interceptions, where he had two interceptions. Um, pretty bad Ohio State defense in 21. Uh, but he had a 46-yard interception touchdown return. Uh, he did have an ACL tear. I should say redshirted in 2019 after being enrolled early uh, because he had an ACL injury. Um, he had 100 tackles in 21 and 22. That dipped significantly with a new scheme. Obviously, the Browns brought in a new, or sorry, the, the Buckeyes brought in a new defensive coordinator, uh, Jim Knowles, and his his responsibilities changed. But he was still very productive, 53 tackles, uh, one forced fumble, seven passes defended with an interception, second team All-American, which is a big deal. Third team All-Big Ten. So, again, he loses a level of All-Big Ten, but gains an All-American award, which is always interesting. But he had a hip, uh, right hip injury that cost him the ability to to test, and I think that takes him out of a late-round pick to a, a UDFA. But I think the Browns like him. He's got experience in the box, in the slot, as a single high defender. Uh, he can do some versatile stuff. And, like, again, it's him or DeAnthony Bell, and, and they'll bring in some other types too, maybe even a veteran. But sufficient athleticism, I think, on tape 
right? Uh, and, you know, we're just going to have to see. They might be relying a little more on GPS data. Or maybe there wasn't enough to feel great about it. But I think the athleticism is there on tape to be fine. Um, you know, you kind of lacks change of direction stuff to be in man-to-man coverage. The instincts awareness could improve to me. The range isn't great, but three-level impact at Ohio State, I think some of those things can translate if you focus them in on one thing. Downhill aggression strong. He's not afraid to come down one-on-one, make a tackle. He proved to be effective at that. And I think he's a decent enough split high safety that, uh, you know, if he can latch on as a special teams contributor, can be a role-playing safety. He was certainly a draftable player. Uh, there's interest. It's an interesting guy. I, I'm certainly drawn to uh, the idea of picking Hickman in the draft, and I like that they got him. We'll see what it looks like. You just sometimes don't know with these guys until you see them get out on an NFL field and feel it out, right? Like you just got to see what they look like around uh, their peers, right? So long linear athlete, I think it's fair to kind of label him with. You just wish he could speed up the game a little bit at times or his mind is a half beat too slow. Now, if you can find ways to improve that, get that better, you can see how he becomes an NFL player. But that's, again, that's hope you're, you're judging his college tape on that. So I think he's a special teams guy. If the athleticism gets to the point that they believe in him because he didn't test and he could be like that third robber safety dime package player too and maybe if he can keep developing you never know you find these udfa safeties that find a way all the time hickman could certainly be one of them the last one that i want to hit on is a guy that matt waldman likes a lot and that's Hassan hill right not a guy that anybody really gave a draftable grade to certainly a priority free agent um but he is not uh he is not he's not a bad athlete so he's out of georgia tech um did did really well with the four four six forty and and strong twenty yard split. Had a great shuttle, a nine uh, a nine point eight five relative athletic score in the shuttle. He was a great vertical jump guy, great broad jump guy. Thirty seven vertical, ten ten uh, ten oh one broad jump, eight six six total relative athletic score, which is which is pretty dang strong. Which compares to like CJ Spiller type, uh, you know, similar athleticism mark. Uh, here's what Dane has to say about him. I'm going to have to spend some time watching him. He's a, he said Hall doesn't have the statistical resume to get you excited. As here's what he he ran for 1,820 year, yards in college. He started at Louisville and then transferred over to Georgia Tech his last year. Uh, he went to Louisville, graduated. He was a grad transfer. He, he played four years there. Like he had in 2018, he had 303 yards in 2019, 501 and five touchdowns. Uh, these are all limited carries. He only got over 100 carries two times, and that's not even a lot. Right, he had 54 carries for 223 for two touchdowns in 2020, 21. He has uh, 38 carries, 272 and a touchdown. And then this last year in 22 at Georgia Tech, he had 20, uh, sorry, 116 carries, 521, uh, just one touchdown. But he did catch 28 balls for 165 yards. A little older um, UDFA guy, so he's going to be 23 at the start of the season, which isn't terrible when you look at the athleticism. Uh, so 1,820 rushing yards in his career, 340 uh, pass-catching yards in his career. And Dane talks about the statistical resume won't get you excited, but he has home run hitting speed, a chance to make a roster spot as a returner or a reserve. I see this one as a little bit of a long shot. I think the Browns bring in a veteran at that extra running back role. But, again, a guy who could. You never know. Comes in and presses is the same thing that happened with some of these other UDFA types, the Dontrell Hilliards of the world. Or, as Matt Wolman compared him, he has a chance – to be a D. Ernest Johnson type for the Browns. 5'10", 196, so certainly not even not a lightweight guy either, even though he can run really well. So Hassan Hall, keep that name in mind, out of Georgia Tech. That wraps it up. I've been going for like an hour. I'm tired. I got <laughs> He's got a new puppy. I got to get back out there and try to get some sleep before my Monday as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed this pod. 
Like I said, there's going to be a lot of deep dives on these players specifically with what I saw, what I put in the write-ups. I promise we'll get more granular, and we will obviously dig in more with um, you know, the local beat writers to, to have discussions with them too, which I think will be fun. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to learn about these guys, and I hope to provide that for you over time. I would give the draft, if you're listening this late, I would give it a B. I think that there were some things that dropped it down from the A minus B plus level for me, but overall it's a pretty strong grade. They got good value on a lot of their picks and I like some of their UDFA pickups. I would give it a solid B. And when you're picking at 74 as your start spot, I think that's a pretty strong draft. And some people have went as high as to make it an A minus. I've seen some people label it an A. Uh, I have not seen many bad marks for this class. Now, again, this means nothing. Draft grades are stupid. Got to get years away from this to realize it, but as far as what the consensus mock said versus what they got and the ratings and all that, I think they did more than okay here, and a B is a pretty fair grade for me. So, B it is. Check in with me tomorrow. Try to have a guest. Might have uh, some uh, an interesting analytics angle guest on to talk about the class. Hope to have that lined up for you. Otherwise, check out the OBR. We'll have a lot of draft content coming. We'll get a Cedric Tiblin, and we'll get a Siaki Ika a film room up this week and we'll continue to pump those out over the next 30 days to try to give you all the analysis of this draft class so you can learn them before uh, before the preseason gets here which will be here before you know it so thanks for stopping by today guys i really appreciate you spending an hour with me i'll be back tomorrow have a great monday go browns Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.